Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that poses the question, we all have mental health, how's yours? I'm your host and licensed marriage and family therapist, Justin Lewis. I'm going to be uh, breaking into my series that features Owensboro-based compass therapists to talk with fellow Paducah compass therapist, Leslie Donner. Leslie has been on the show before, and for her CV, I'm going to make you go into the archives. I had Leslie stop by my office to talk about a new service she has initiated at Compass, group therapy. In the episode, she talks about what a group is exactly and contrasts it with the familiar support group type. She gives some explanation to how groups function via telehealth and how it has been proving to be beneficial to both her confidence to get it going and participation. And before our interview, please know this. Mapping Healthy Minds podcast is sponsored by Compass Counseling. We all have mental health, and taking care of it can't wait. You can learn more about Compass Counseling or book an appointment online at www.compasscounseling.com. Compass offers online counseling and in-person counseling in Paducah, Henderson, and Owensboro, Kentucky. I never see you around here anymore because you're always at home doing telehealth yes. since there's a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I feel weird. That's mm-hmm. what all my clients are saying too. I just, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it. It's, I feel weird. <laughs> feel weird. It is a little unusual. I had a test done today. Yeah. I stuck the thing up my nose. Well, that had to feel weird. Did you sneeze? You know, I thought I was going to sneeze because I sometimes sneeze from allergies and... If I, even if I have like facial hair sometimes it kind of yeah. does that but I did not sneeze however I, my eyes did water yeah it was really uncomfortable yeah but hopefully I don't have it changing gears we're going to talk about groups today yeah I have known observed this about you for a long time that you're really interested in running groups <laughs> You know what it is? It's I think it's my background in teaching. Like I found a way to parlay what I like okay. to do into like in a group. I feel like I'm the teacher again. Oh, okay. I can see that because, yeah, like anytime in staff meetings, you're like, oh, we should have a group about that. And yeah. it was like anything under the sun. And I was just always like, dang, this girl. No, yeah. I didn't know. Not girl. <laughs> this young lady is interested in groups. Yeah. Uh, and then... If I'm going to be real, I was like, groups are hard to pull off in our society in this day and time. And I was like, I don't know if this is ever going to be something that is going to be realized. But it has been, and you are going to have another one, too. So I thought it would be a good time to come on the podcast and talk about what a group is uh, exactly. Because I think a lot of times, maybe, I don't know. When people think about groups and they think about their mental health, they think about this. Hi, my name is so-and-so and and I'm an alcoholic. Right. Right? I mean, when people think... Yeah, I mean, that's right now, that's what it's mostly used for. Yeah, they think about somebody walking, like, you know, in front of the group, talking if they want to talk and giving their story. And there's no real, like, therapist involved in an AA group, but there is a therapist involved in your group. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what... A group is as far as um, you're concerned maybe a little bit about how it could contrast with those other types of addiction groups that people may be more familiar with yeah um, so if you look up group therapy um, 
like like you just said most of what's done currently is like the aa model and there isn't a therapist leading it um there might be a like a more experienced person, former addict, usually leading those types of groups. Mm -hmm. But group therapy actually became really popular in like the 60s and 70s. And it was Mm -hmm. a very, um, one of my personal heroes is is Carl Rogers, a psychologist that was, you know, he like kind of had a, a big part in the movement towards group therapy. Back then, they didn't call it group therapy. A lot of the times they would call it an encounter group. So um, those were not always led by therapists either. And actually, some of them could be, I guess, kind of shady. Like some that I've read about, it was like that was like the first step toward getting into a cult, actually. (laughs) So, yeah. And when I was looking up some stuff just now, it's funny because an article came up and it said, oh, group therapy makes a resurgence. I was like, oh, awesome. That'll be very timely. And it was like a blown up microfiche or something from 1974 from the New York Times. It's like, okay, so I can't find a current article. And it was from, um, like the article was written in Berkeley. So I was like, this is perfect. So that's, that is the epitome of what people, a lot of people, especially older people, maybe think of when they think of group therapy as this encounter group where we all experience this, um, you know, personal growth together and we're honest with each other and we call each other out on, um, you know, like character flaws and stuff like that. So what I'm doing now is I guess it has maybe some similarity to that as far as, um, yeah, there's several people in the group and you are hopefully honest with each other and you share, um, and maybe there are times when you might criticize each other or build each other up or encourage each other, motivate each other. But um, there's a common theme, I guess, in the groups that I've started doing. And I don't really even know why I wanted to do groups because the idea intimidated me uh, for a long time. I was comfortable with individual therapy, but thinking about talking to a whole group at once um was that was a different kind of idea like oh what if they gang up on me um or what if they think hey you don't know what you're talking about what they start calling me out um and I think what finally changed my mind was doing telehealth because I had the same opinion about telehealth I thought well I'm gonna hate it I'm (laughs) there's no way so impersonal it's so awkward I'm not gonna like it and then I ended up loving it and I thought (laughs) I'm just I gotta do it I gotta push myself I gotta make these groups happen but also because I really started to see a need I was talking to the same clients over and over again I mean, different names, but it was the same client talking about the same stuff. Same issues, and I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I, you know, I'm telling you these things, and you really need to hear it from someone other than me so that you'll feel that um, just, like, feeling of, okay, this is a common experience that other people have. You know, it's not just my therapist trying to build me up. Yeah, it's one thing for us to say, you know, you're not the only one that suffers through this. I talked yeah. to other people about this. And another thing for them to hear some other person say, yes, I struggle with this too, directly to their face. It means a whole lot more, I found, coming Mm, from them than it does me. Because, again, they just think, oh, she's trying to make me feel better. (laughs) She's just making up something about somebody else struggling to make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So I took the next step and uh, decided to go for it. So as um, someone who might be, let's say someone's interested in that, 
What would you say, um, kind of to piggyback on that, is the value of a group versus individual therapy? You know, we just kind of mentioned the, um, it's good to know that you're not the only one kind of deal, but is there uh, anything else as far as tangible research even or results um, that we could look at and say, uh, in addition to just knowing you're not the only one, is there yeah. more to what you may get out of a group? I think um, especially for certain groups, especially for people that struggle with anxiety, especially for uh, middle school girls, which I'm going to start in the future, and the high school girls that I'm working with right now, um, socialization has been a big part of it uh, due to the quarantine a lot of kids are feeling really isolated right now and lonely. And I have even had some clients who are like real introverts. Like I'm surprised they ever made it to therapy. They are mm. introverts and they are comfortable being that way. They've even said to me, hey, I don't know how to do this thing that we're doing <laughs> right now. Like right. I need people and that's not normal for me to feel that way. So I've got to have some kind of social interaction. So there's that part of it. But then there's also the social skills that come with it. So, you know, taking turns in a conversation, feeling kind of left out and having to work through that, learning how to respond appropriately to awkward situations. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all part of it. That being said, not everyone is appropriate for group therapy. And even those who are appropriate may not want to start out with group therapy. So uh, it may be good to get some individual therapy under your belt. Then, yeah, 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 so that you can, you know, especially if you're in a crisis state, you know, you have your own issues that you're dealing with. You can't start to take on other people's as well. So um, I think people who are in any kind of crisis or just, um, you know, just being diagnosed maybe with depression for the very first time, I think it would be helpful to have individual therapy for several weeks before starting a group. Not to say that you can't do both at the same time, because you can. I'm doing that with some of mine right now. I'll have an individual session, and then I've got them in my groups too. And as time goes on, I see, or I plan to see less of them individually, because the group will start to kind of take the place of our individual sessions. Mm -hmm. Will the person feel a difference, do you think, in the value that they get out of a group versus individual? I think... I think that they will. I mean, so the, there's the relationship that they build with the individual therapist, but then there's the relationships that they build with the other people in the group. And I mean, I've just, my teen group just met for the second time um, just before we started doing this today. And one of them already said, this is the best day ever, <laughs> you know? So it was, it was kind of cool. You know, they were having this experience with me and we're all trying to relate to each other. And, you know, sometimes it's a struggle for me to be able to relate to them on their terms. So they're teaching me things and I'm teaching them things and they're teaching each other and learning to take risks and ask for advice. So it is, it's, and so especially for that group too, because they are teenagers and every relationship to them represents taking a risk. So they're getting to do that with me. They're making them comfortable and encouraging them to do that. And then they get to experience success with it. And that is definitely something that they can take outside of the group. What about the confidentiality piece? I mean, well, teenage girls. That <laughs> 
right God, they're like and of gossip course, without even knowing they're gossiping yeah. right i mean, right. I mean and like, they're, they're already asking hey can i have your instagram this and that and i'm like whoa whoa, whoa yeah sure that is a whole other yeah. aspect but what about this like saying oh uh you know i'm over here talking to jennifer about yeah. her stuff did you know about uh emily's this or that you right. know like how do, how do you address those concerns so that is a risk that we talk about up front individually before we ever start the group that you know hey here's our expectations here um you know i'm legally bound they are not legally bound they are you know i consider them ethically bound not <laughs> to discuss things outside of the group um you know, I, and I don't know where the groups are going to go if it if it does take a like a deeper dive into more serious issues and trauma. Some groups might do that, and then it becomes more of an issue. Um, they do have to sign a confidentiality agreement. Again, that's not really legally binding, but um, hopefully, peer pressure, you know, would make them just. Be nice people. <laughs> signing, a, signing an official looking document at least institutes some level of uh, importance, even though it really holds them to nothing. Right. And, and of course, <laughs> I mean, I tell them too. look, if, the, if there are any problems or um, let's say someone doesn't break confidentiality, but maybe they're being kind of inappropriate in a group or, um, you know, that they're bullying or something like that. I have told them, you know, I will remove you from the group if there are any problems. Yeah. And I would. Yeah. When, uh, when groups first started, as you talked about, the encounter groups back in the 60s and the 70s, being able to contact another person um, was not quite as easy. Yeah. These days, they could start their own little Google Hangout or, you yeah. know, they could do something like that. I, I guess there's maybe pros and cons or maybe. Yeah. Uh, what you, I, um, how is that playing into groups? The, in the Even, you know, like post-grad school for me, whenever I studied groups, like even that wasn't as much of a concern that we talked about. I think we talked about not discussing group matters outside of group, yeah. which we were in class together, you know, so there, that could have easily been an opportunity. Right. But for especially teenagers like hopping on Instagram or whatever they might do, Snapchat. Yeah. Um, what about that piece of it is talking to people about group outside of group? Like being um, connected in that way? You mean like them being connected to each other in that way if they chose to do that? Yeah, kind of that. And then yeah. kind of like uh, say we're in the same group um, with each other. We're, we're, we could talk about it outside of group or we could wait and talk about it all inside a group like yeah what is there importance to know that we don't need to be talking about that kind of stuff outside of group we should keep everything in group well you know i don't there's kind of a gray area there um and i think the intent matters too so i'm sure that like the the teen girls right now i know they all have social media um so for them to make posts on social media about anxiety in general, not problematic. For them to make a post about, hey, this other girl in group therapy said, <laughs> that is a problem. Right. Um, I'm not sure how to go about policing that right. other than, you know, the fact that I have kind of explained up front, this is not appropriate. We're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. um, they want to start to be friends with each other outside of the group. 
I'm not real sure how I feel about that. This is an area, it's, it's changing for me right now. You know, mm-hmm. even telehealth has kind of ushered in this whole new way of thinking. Like, obviously, the ethics are still in place, but like with groups, AA, their rules were always that, you know, you don't make relationships with people you meet in AA, right. like especially romantic relationships, but just relationships in general could be troublesome. Um, I think that that comes into play if you put people in your group that maybe shouldn't be in your group. So that's where the screening comes in. There are certain types of, um, not really types of people. There are people who might struggle with certain types of relationship or communication issues. Um, Some people that have a lot of personality disorders or a lot of manipulative behaviors, I would never put them in a group Mm -hmm. um, just because they might start to kind of manipulate or bully other members of the group or turn people against each other. Um, It just wouldn't be an ideal situation. So I think if you screen everybody into the group um, in the first place, you do a good job of that, then you're probably not going to run into any problems like you're talking about. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. And again, we're talking mostly, you're coming fresh off a meeting of, uh, yeah. of teenage girls, which is a unique population versus working with, um, you've got another group that you're putting together, I think, yeah. which was adults. Yes. Uh, and so there may be some different kind of um, dynamics at play and concerns at play whenever you're dealing yeah. with adults. And one thing uh, is openness might be easier for younger than even older i suspect that it will be Mm -hmm. um when you said earlier something about um like i guess trying to sell the idea of groups to to this population this day and time Mm -hmm. i thought well you know what everybody's already sharing everything with everybody anyway people's boundaries now are kind of horrible (laughs) as far as social media is concerned so who cares yeah yeah that is true uh (laughs) Well, you know, I used to, I, I wonder to, if that is people will share more. I'm just kind of musing right now, but yeah, the, the whole telehealth piece yeah. might make it easier to share to strangers because I it feels so. like you're sharing a status on Facebook yeah. <laughs> more than like you're sitting in a room with chairs and um, yeah, you're right. that sort of deal. It's like, you well, always just they can't disconnect. Dis- <laughs> you can always disconnect. Um <laughs> Or, I mean, people are only seeing this certain portion of you. Right. You could be fidgeting the That's fire true. out of your hands and showing like you're nervous over here, but yeah. only people seeing this much of you. So it may make it a lot more um, simple. Yeah. That's true. So it could be For less some people. Yeah. Much less threatening. There's an extra uh, guard up yeah. uh, at play. And like you said, there's always like. Whoops, I accidentally, uh, I don't know how my computer just got oh, disconnected. I yeah, don't know what, what happened problems. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I've been tempted. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, this element of technology may make the group participation uh, easier, really, mm-hmm. um, than what could have been otherwise. And I notice things about them in a different way because I'm seeing their faces up close. So I'm not distracted like I would be in person by the leg twitching and stuff like that. Right. I'm just, my focus is all on their face and sure. their, the way they're talking to me. And I observe things. The way that they talk to each other is much different than the way that they talk to me. And so I get mm. to observe like, oh, because I know them all well before putting them into the group. Like, oh, I know what she's thinking right now. Is she saying this? And then that gives us something to work on in individual therapy later. 
Yeah. Well, that's good. So how would you say they talk differently to uh, each other? Well, it's just, it's always striking to me, like the, the ease with which they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because they are much more similar to each other than they are to me. Um, and so they're trying to censor themselves maybe a little bit more with me and not with each other. They're more comfortable with each other, which are all strangers, but not as much with, well, maybe I should be a little insulted by that. I don't know. Maybe just the natural power dynamic, though. Could right? be. This inherent power dynamic that yeah. you are the pro, you're the one that knows everything, you're the yeah. one in control to some degree in their eyes. You're trying to make it more of a, a collaborative effort, I think, yeah. but, uh, which I want to go to next. But uh, So it's easier to just kind of talk to somebody about right. what's going on rather than the authority figure, right? Yes. And, um, and sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll feel like, oh, I, you know, I've, I've let, them, let them go too much. We've gone too far down the bunny trails and they're all like off on a tangent, all like talking over me. And then, then I feel like oh, I'm not getting to talk. Then I feel like I'm the little kid, you know, like no one's letting me talk. I don't have a voice anymore. And I have to remember, okay, you're in charge of this. <laughs> But based on my memory of studying groups, it's good, right? Yeah, it, it it's, is. It's, it's really good to see them talking to each other more, yes. th- definitely more than presentation. Yes. And that's another thing that maybe we should talk about real quick is the um, if someone's like trying to visualize what a group is like in their head as they're listening to us talk, um, you know, you mentioned it being able to bring together teacher, but it's it's not really the same as you just disseminating information to them, right? right? No, it's not. (laughs) And it's, it's, um, I can pose a question that's open-ended and they can go where they want with it. So it's not like people are showing up and you're saying, okay, I'm going to teach you about this topic. You you have very specific topics and maybe there's some instruction, but a lot of it is you facilitating. And maybe I should just let you describe what your approach is and what you're trying to accomplish in each group setting. (laughs) Maybe I should decide what I'm trying to accomplish, too. Um, I tend to take a very unstructured approach, well, to my individual therapy, but especially to the group. So, you know, I have some underlying goals, I suppose. But for each individual session, it's almost like, oh, this this is going to sound so, like, cliche. Um, I trust the process. (laughs) And I kind of let the conversation go where it needs to go. Yeah. And that has worked for me so far. I've I have led some groups, but again, all of my stuff is back in grad school. Yeah. And I remember part of the struggle as a therapist is like what you were saying a little bit of oh no, I've lost control. Yes. <laughs> yes. But as long as it's a topic that's relevant and they're talking to each other, as long as they're not like Oh, by the way, did you hear baseball's coming back? Oh yeah. You know, as long as it's not that too much, I guess. Yeah. People, small amount of that's okay just yeah. rapport building but as long as there's something happening between them there's there's a value in in that connection right right, right. Yeah. and you can't really control it too much either because then it's kind of stilted and they won't feel free to share right yeah they don't want to you don't want to feel like a, a dictator or anything like that yeah during the group process I'm really glad that you've been able to figure this out. Yeah, um, and the platform we're using is super easy. It's called GoToMeetings, and it's it's similar to Zoom, but I think it's HIPAA compliant. Uh, when they all log in, I use the same link every time they log in, and then I lock the 
the group room so no one else can get in. <laughs> Throw away the key. Yeah. Locked from the inside. Yeah, that sounds great. Are you planning on doing your groups these what this I mean I know that we've got whatever our social distancing regulations yeah. are at this time, but are you planning on opening it up to in-person in stuff at any time in or the what's future, the idea? Yeah. yeah, depending on how everything goes. Mm-hmm. I am that'll be weird to learn to really learn it and and yeah. develop a skill like this and then translate that to in-person. Yeah, but I kind of like to learn things along with my clients so I can kind of relate to them better mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm wondering about, also I'm thinking about the way I learn to run groups and different things and the body language value of a therapist to make sure you're like looking at someone to get them to talk yeah. or like looking away to get them to stop talking. Right. And oh, when yeah, you're you all on a screen. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, that's going to be an issue. Because there's is some tricks of the trade to yeah. get people to not monopolize the conversation and right. that sort of stuff. So. Well, but with this technology, you have the mute button. So I can, <laughs> you know. Would you do that really? Just be like, I think hmm, so. Justin, At you've gone on enough of a tangent. I'm going to pause you and <laughs> right. let Eric talk for a little while right. or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, it's a brave new world. Yeah. You can do some publishing on how to run a group on online on telehealth. Yeah. I think that people need to embrace it though because who knows what's going to happen the next few months. I almost I find myself feeling like, "All right, we got to get in the groove. We got to get our mindset going over the next couple of months because then we've got to get through winter." And so <laughs> if we've got this technology in place and we have the ability to do this, it can only help because we can serve more people this way and we can kind of create these small communities of connectedness mm. in, you know, this very unpredictable, people keep saying this unprecedented situation <laughs> we're all living <laughs> yeah. in. Right. Now more than ever. I always hear that one. Now yeah. more than ever. Yeah. So, okay. Now just some nuts and bolts. Groups are generally time limited right it's yeah, not like um, we're going to have a group for the rest of well i don't yeah, know how long we're going to have mean, it you usually have a, a period of time right you know i've said that the ones that i've started are going to be six weeks but at the end of that if everybody says hey i like this i'm going to keep doing it um you know th- they can be time limited or they could be unlimited uh I, I guess the issue with that is i wouldn't want to bring a new group member on with a bunch of people who'd been meeting for several weeks because sure, they're just going to yeah. feel kind of uncomfortable. Right. Everybody's going to be a little on edge with yeah. with that. It seems like people are more likely to sign up for something that they know when the ending is, too. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think so. It's like if you told me I have a 12-week group, I'll be like, all right, I'll give this a shot yeah. or whatever. But it's like, so we got this group about this topic. Yeah. Hop on in. Yeah, then like, it just becomes another I, how long do I, yeah, exactly. obligation. Oh, and if it's on telehealth, you can't really make many excuses for why you can't do it. Is there anything else that is important about groups that... Oh, the cost. The cost. Well, so like right now, a lot of private insurances are offering free co-pays, you know, no co-insurance um, because of the virus, uh, like Anthem offers pretty much free telehealth through September 13th, I think, and Humana mm-hmm. through the end of the year, and yeah. other policies offering different kinds of discounts over in-person therapy. Um, 
But if, you know, for people who are self-pay, groups are often a lot cheaper than individual. Um, the ones I'm doing are like 75 to 90 minutes. So uh, it's a good chunk of time. And, you know, the rates may be, you know, 40 to 50 bucks per session. And the groups are smaller. So a lot of people might think of groups as being like 10, 12 people. Um, I'm keeping these around six people. Um, so you do get a lot of individual attention. So it, it can be a lot, a, a cheaper way to go for some people. Mm-hmm. Seems like smaller groups online are important. Yeah. I don't have so much space on my computer screen. Well, I just did the one on my phone and it was like oh, a Brady Bunch. Man. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine. Like you could yeah. be easier to fit uh, people in a room and have a larger group, I yeah. think, than yeah. on the screen. But yeah, I'm really glad that you're, you figured this out. Um, I'll have to learn more about how it how it goes from you and see if that's uh, something. I'll have to learn more about how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, if anyone is interested in this, then I'll give them your contact info somewhere in this episode or in the show notes. Sure. And then you will have to be forced with answering the questions. <laughs> <laughs> or not, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for dropping in and uh, talking a little bit about groups. And I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mapping Healthy Minds. Mapping Healthy Minds podcast is sponsored by Compass Counseling. We all have mental health and taking care of it can't wait. You can learn more about Compass Counseling or book an appointment online at www.compasscounseling.com. Compass offers online counseling and in-person counseling in Paducah, Henderson, and Owensboro, Kentucky. Also, this month, there is a free listener resource. Compass Counseling is offering all of the listeners a free copy of the ebook 10 Questions to Ask Before Starting Counseling. And you can get your copy today by clicking on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find many other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and MappingHealthyMinds.com. We're also on the social media machine, of course, Facebook and Instagram are places to get more information on the guests and topics we discuss. I am Justin Lewis, and please remember, we all have mental health. How's yours?